Come on, let's give God some praise, man. Woo! I love watching those baptisms every time. It never gets old. It never gets old. Uh, just each person celebrating being buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in the new life that they were created for. It's really special. So tonight we have um, our second ever beach baptism at the St. Augustine Pier. I want to encourage you to be there at 6 p.m. We're going to hang out um, even if, you know, you don't have someone getting baptized or, or that sort of thing. We're just going to throw a beach party to celebrate people going public with their faith. And so uh, we're going to have games. Um, we're going to have music. We're going to worship together. It's just going to be a really good time at the beach. I want to encourage you uh, to be there for that. And then also, if you want to get baptized, you've given your life to Christ, you haven't um, gone public through baptism like he's asked us to do, uh, there's a form in your seat so you can fill it out and we'll get you signed up, get your t-shirt, get everything ready for you tonight. Also, um, one, more one more thing is last Sunday was Vision Sunday. Who was here for Vision Sunday last Sunday? So incredible week. So many vision initiatives that we talked about what God's doing over the next 12 months. One of them was the new Green Coast Springs location. We got some pictures of that if you weren't here. And so uh, we're really excited about this. In 2020, church is coming to Green Coast Springs and it's gonna be amazing. And uh, so one of the things we did was we launched the chair campaign, which is just a really practical way to say, hey, I wanna, I wanna peace, I wanna play my part. I wanna kind of carry my weight and I wanna help sponsor someone's chair that they're gonna sit in, you know, in this new facility. And so if you you would say, you know, I'm here and I wanna sponsor a chair, you can do that. There's a form in your seat to do that as well. If you sponsored a chair, uh, but you haven't set up, you know, giving or anything like that, you can do that today as well. So we're in this series, we're actually finishing up today in a series called Heart for the House. And uh, we've been talking about caring for what Jesus died for. Jesus died to build his bride. That's the church. That's his people. Jesus died to, to pull us out of hell, to bring us into a relationship with himself, to save us from what we could not save ourselves from. And so we're talking about if Jesus cared so much about the church, we should too. And so uh, in 2 Peter, I'm sorry, 1 Peter 2, verse 1, it says this, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up. Somebody say grow in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. Notice that that word stone is a capital S. That's Jesus. It says you also like living stones are being built. Somebody say built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture, it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for this house that we're gathered in today. Father, I thank you that you deserve all the glory, the praise and the honor. So we just worship, we lift up, we magnify your name in this place. God, we're so expectant that you're gonna speak, that you're gonna move in this time together. We love you, it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. High five somebody, tell them Minshew mania. Minshew mania. I gotta get myself a Minshew jersey. So I, I figured if I'm gonna dress up so much last week, I gotta like bust out the Jags jersey this week. But uh, I'm really excited about today. And uh, we're, like I said, we're recapping wrapping up the whole series of Heart for the House, which has really just blessed me. And I think it's, you know, we've just grown a lot. We've learned a lot 
through this series. Next week, we start a brand new series on Jonah. And I am, I'm telling you, I'm pumped about this one. I've had this one planned for a long time. And if you're in any way thinking about what am I supposed to do with my life? What's my next step? Where am I going? This relationship, is it this, this job, this thing, this next thing, this endeavor. Jonah, is, this series is going to be amazing. We're going to walk all the way through the book. And I'm telling you, it's so applicable to your life. It's going to be really cool. But today we're wrapping up this series, Heart for the House. And um, a little over a year ago, probably, probably a year and a half ago, um, I was playing mini golf, a, couple of, a few other couples from the church. And Anybody ever played mini golf before? Anybody? Okay. So you know that in mini golf, there's all kinds of obstacles that you have to put around and, and you know, you're scoping out the greens. Don't even act like you don't take it serious. You take it serious and you want to win. And so we're, we're all set. We're going to play mini golf, a few couples, and it's kind of turned into this thing where it's like the guys versus the ladies. And uh, it, it turns into this big competition. And you're like, why? Because we're keeping score, right? And anytime score is kept, I want the higher score. I am a competitive person. You're like, wow, real spiritual pastor, real spiritual. I want to win. Like if there's, why are we keeping score if I'm not going to try to win? You know, don't, this isn't upward. This isn't upward. Okay. We're playing real sports. We're playing mini golf. And so um, no disrespect to that, but so we're playing mini golf and I start talking trash because that's what I do when I get really competitive. And I'm, I'm like, man, ladies, we're going to take you guys down. You don't stand a chance, right? Um, and and one, of the, one of the girls responded back. She goes, Joel, I'm just trying to have fun. I said, well, you have fun because I'm going to win, okay? <laughs> and so we start playing. It's getting really competitive. Things are going really well. Uh, you know, we get, we get going and we get to the seventh hole. And at the seventh hole, my good friend, Alex Dew, who's in the room somewhere, Alex Dew right there. So Alex Dew walks up before any of the ladies recognize up to the seventh hole and he pulls a brick off of like this, this surrounding wall that kind of keeps the ball from going out of, out of the hole, right? The green, you know? And so he picks up the brick off the wall and, and before the ladies can find out, he sets the brick right in front of the hole on the putt-putt green, right? And I, I'm telling you, putting greens are made to look like that. You know, they have obstacles, they have things. And so I cannot stress to you enough. It looked like it was supposed to be there. Like it looks like someone designed the seventh hole with a brick in front of the hole. And all the ladies get up and they're just having a tough time. One of them hit the brick and it bounced all the way back off the thing, you know. And then another one's like trying to put around the thing. And it adds on all these unnecessary strokes to their score. So it's the guy's turn to get up. And Alex Dew literally walks up right after the last, he goes, you guys done? All right, cool. He walks up to the brick, he picks it up and he sets it back off to the side where it was supposed to go. And they're like, oh my gosh, you guys cheated. You know, like the whole thing. And we're like, listen, I, we can't help it if you don't clean the green before you putt, you know? That's your responsibility. You say, what's your point? My point is, is that similarly, you know, a way, a brick, when it's not in the place and position it was supposed to be in, when it gets out of place, it can actually become a barrier. And in this passage we're looking at today, it's talking about the fact that we are like bricks in God's spiritual house. Each one of us is supposed to be built into this thing. We carry our weight, we do our part, just like a good brick building. In fact, we, we were walking through that, the new facility we saw on the screen uh, just this past week. And as we were walking through, I was walking through with the contractor who's taking notes and all this stuff. And he looked at the wall, he goes, man, this is, this is a good, this is good. You've got a block building. This thing's going to last. This is made out of rock concrete. This thing's solid. This thing will last forever. 
And so uh, we are supposed to be bricks in God's spiritual house. Look at this in verse five. It says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Each one of us is supposed to be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. So we are supposed to be a part of the house. Somebody say a part. part. Not to be confused with a part, which is a really like pet peeve of mine grammatically, right? When people write a part, but they're supposed to write a part. It's like you just said the opposite of what you meant, you know? And so today's message is a part not a part, a part, not a part. That's the title of today's message. And here's the reason why. Um, let me put it this way. So if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, you know, if, it's very different to say like, this hand is a part of me, right? It's very different to say, this hand is a part from me. Like you don't want your hand to be a part from you, you want it to be a part of you, right? If your hand is apart from you, that means you need to go find your hand. Like that thing's laying somewhere, super sketchy. Some kid probably saw it, got freaked out. It's not even Halloween yet, you know, this is weird. And so the reason why is because like, we'll have people um, from church that'll be like, oh man, first time they came to church, love 1900, you know, it was really cool, great experience, felt like home, felt like family, stuff like that. And then at the, they'll finish their little thing on social media, they'll put, so thankful to be a part like with no space. And it's like, I'm a little offended, you know? You just came to church for the first time and you're like, I'm so thankful to be separated from all of them. And so it's important that we realize because it's such a fine line, it's such a nuance, but it makes all the difference. And so we need to be a part of God's house, not apart from God's house. Uh, by the way, just one more thing and then I'm gonna continue on the scripture. This is, and it's funny because some, I don't, who put this up here? Someone, someone put this up here in between services. First of, all, first of all, I'm on keto. Devil not today. I cannot eat this. There are carbs in this thing. I rebuke this in Jesus' name, okay? So this brand of candy is what? What's the brand? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So we got a divided group. Is it Reese's or is it Reese's? Okay, that is a, what was that? Which one? Dude, that baby's awesome. He's like, I'm participating in church. You guys need to take some notes. So this is a possessive noun. Those are Reese's peanut butter cups. They're not Reese's peanut butter cup. That that's not even, and guess what? It, Reese's pieces, that, those aren't words. Those aren't words. It's, they are Reese's pieces. They're his, they're his pieces, you know? So just in case, I just want to make sure. All right, moving on from the rant. So a part, not a part. We need to be a part of God's house. Once again, verse five, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Right, and this kind of highlights the power of the local church, the power of being um, involved in a community. And let me just, let me just, you know, say this right off the bat. Every single person in here at some point was not in a local church. You know, even if you're like, oh man, I've been in church since, you know, nine months before I was born. And, you know, grew up in church. No, every single one of us, there was a point where we said, I want to be here because 
God wants me here. Or where we took ownership, he said, no, this is my house. Like, I'm gonna play a part in this thing. I wanna help some people. And so I wanna be, like, there was a time where we made a choice and we took ownership. And so if you haven't made that decision yet, you don't have to feel like, you know, judged or, or talked at in a negative way or anything like that. It's just, there's, there's power. And the reason why we come on Sundays and we serve and, and we give and we do all those things that we do, which, you know, probably wouldn't have even made sense to me before I met Christ, you know, is because we own this thing and, and we realize what it's like to just be built in something, like to play a part and have people rely on you, right? Whenever a, a brick is missing from a wall, the structural integrity of the whole wall diminishes, right? And so if we get this analogy, like I want you to think in your head, like every single one of us, we're relying on the person beneath us, above in front and behind, so that we can carry on this mission that Jesus gave us called the local church. And by the way, the church is not a building, it's people. But I do love it because in the Bible, um, the Bible refers to, it uses the analogy of a house a lot of times. It uses the analogy of a building. And that's what we see in 1 Peter uh, 2. And so just to give you a little context of this passage, basically in the Old Testament, there was a tabernacle that one day would turn into uh, the, the temple. And in the tabernacle, there was a room called the most holy place. And inside of the most holy place in this tab, don't let me lose you, this is important. I promise it make, it's gonna make sense. In the most holy place, there was uh, the Ark of the Covenant, which is not just Indiana Jones. It's, you know, it's actually from, he stole that from the Old Testament, right? And so in the Ark of the Covenant, before Jesus, in the Old Testament, way back when, like that contained the presence of God. But in that, the Ark of the Covenant, it was in this room that was, that was covered by a veil, right? And so not everyone could access the presence of God. That's important you understand that. But one person could, and it was, it was the priest, the high priest. And basically the high priest would represent people in the presence of God. So the high priest would go into this room where the Ark of the Covenant was, and he would basically take their sacrifices and then present them to God. Here's the thing, though. The high priest sometimes didn't have his quiet time in the morning. Sometimes the high priest, you know, talked to his wife pretty badly that day or did something wrong, was, was seen as, here's what the Bible says, seen as unworthy sometimes. And what would happen is literally the high priest would walk into the presence of God where this veil, the secret exclusive room where he's supposed to be representing people that need God. And he would walk in and because he was found unworthy, he would drop dead, like boom, like dead, done, done. Just, just walk in and boom, you know? And so they actually, it's kind of funny. They had to come up with a system because all these people, <laughs> they kept dying and they're like, how are we gonna get them out? You know, we can't go in there. So they, listen to this. This is innovation right here. They, they tied bells all over the priest back in the day. So that, like a dog, you know, so that when they were walking, you could be like, oh yeah, they're still alive. I can hear the bells ringing. Anytime those bells would stop, it's like, ooh, I think Jimmy just bit the dust, you know? But even worse, they would tie a rope around their ankle so that if they did die, they could just, just all right, pull them out. <laughs> let's pull them out. Put the robe on another guy. Let's throw him in, you know, and, and see if he can make it. Honestly, a rough time to be a pastor. Like, I am just thankful that in 2019, we can come in, you know what I mean? Like, they never, those people never forgot Pastor Appreciation Month. I'm convinced, you know, they're like, that dude probably, he could die, you know, like. But anyway, so this was kind of the old model. And it's important you understand this because this was the old model of the house, of the, the tabernacle. Um, and it was very veiled off. The presence of God wasn't available to everyone in the old covenant, like the Bible uh, talks about. But then verse six, 
which is the next verse. For in scripture it says, see I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, that's talking about Jesus, and the one who trusts in him, right, that cornerstone is a person, it's Jesus, the one who trusts in him, how many of you know that like the entire thing about a relationship with Jesus is about trust? And it says, the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And so what it's saying, he's saying, I'm building a spiritual house, which is foreshadowing the church, which we are now a part of. It's not just our church, it's, it's all, you know, all these churches. It's like, it, but we are part of a greater church. And he's foreshadowing, but he says, I'm gonna build you, each one of you that are here today, into my church on the rock that is Jesus. In other words, Jesus is gonna be the foundation of the whole thing. So not only am I building in these spiritual stones, these, these, these bricks, these rocks that are gonna make this strong, fortified thing, but I'm actually going to build them on the foundation of Jesus. And this is why this is important, right? Because Jesus came along and Peter is talking about this in this passage. And you know that moment when Jesus hung on a cross, all of a sudden his blood is pouring out on that cross. That was, that was the sacrifice. That, that was, that was the, the blood of a better covenant, right? And so what they couldn't accomplish by on this day of atonement, by bringing these sacrifices, Jesus was that. He was the spotless lamb. He was the perfect sacrifice so that once and for all, he would pay for sins, past, present, and future. And as he laid on that cross, as he hung there, he, he just waited until every bit of sin was done for all, all time, right? My sin, your sin. Um, and and as, he lay, as he hung on that cross, you know, Jesus said the words, it is finished. And at that moment, every sin was canceled. And here's what's really cool. At that moment, he said, it is finished. The Bible says that the veil to the temple, it tore in two. And here's why that's significant. When the veil tore in two, first off, it tore top to bottom. Not bottom to top, as if we could work our way up to God. It tore top to bottom. We can't get to God, so God had to come to us. And as that veil tore in two, God's presence was released on humanity. So that now Jesus, we don't even need another high priest because Jesus is the high priest. So he takes our prayers. He takes our, he, on our behalf, he represents us to the Father, right? And this is why this is so significant. So now we're not under, it's, it's not blood of bulls and goats. It was the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of the Son of God. And that was shed and that purchased our freedom. And, and so this is what Peter's saying. He's saying, yeah, build spiritual stones you are the building you I'm, I'm stacking you guys up I'm assembling something strong I'm assembling something great but that thing's got to be built on Jesus the cornerstone or it's all for nothing can I tell you if we ever preach anything but Jesus here we're wasting our time won't last in fact this is the next thing if you're taking notes you can write this down when things are not built on Jesus they're not sustainable Things are not built on Jesus, they're not sustainable. This is, the, this is the final week of this series, and this is the final thought. And I know it's a lot about the church, it's a lot about the house, and you know, we, we preach about you know, how Jesus affects you and how he changes you, and a lot of times, a lot of life application. And there is some in this too, but it's so important that we realize the part we're supposed to play. That things that we, we build on anything other than Jesus, they're just not sustainable. Like, think about this, think about this in your life, right? How about your money, right? 
whenever you build your money or whenever you build your life on your money, right, where everything's about, you know, what can I acquire? What can I get? Um, you know, you, you always need more of it. <laughs> There's, I mean, every financial expert will tell you as soon as you make more money, you'll just spend more money and, and you'll just need more money. Like that's, that's a, a constant thing, right? Because we build our life on money, what it can get, how it can accumulate and give us things. And let me just say this, money's not a bad thing. Money is amoral, not immoral, it's amoral. In other words, it can be used for good or bad, right? You can buy drugs with money, you can, you know, build a hospital with money, right? So you can do good or you can do bad. It's not that money is a bad thing. It's that if we build on that, if that's our whole foundation, guess what? It's gonna crumble, it's gonna fade, it's not gonna last, it's not sustainable because it's not Jesus. How about this one? How about a, how about a relationship? Think about whatever relationship you're in. It could be um, a dating relationship that you're in right now. It could be an engagement. It could be a marriage. It could be the prospect of a relationship you don't even have yet, but you're, you're praying for, believing for in the future. And you can start to build your whole life on that relationship, but they were never meant to be built on. Your relationship was meant to be built on Jesus. And so when you put, that's why, that's why we put every single thing. I love my wife. I love our marriage. But if I tried to put everything in my life on her, that's unfair to her because we need to be building together on Jesus, right? And what happens is we put everything in that high school relationship and like, oh, I'm only gonna talk to you. I'm gonna forget all my friends. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have community. I'm not gonna go, to, it's just everything is just this one person. They can't live up to the standard you're setting. And so the relationship's gonna fall apart because they weren't meant to be built on. What about this? Your kids. I love Heidi. She's crazy. She is amazing. She definitely has a lot of energy. Heidi's awesome. But what do we do as parents is sometimes we tend to vicariously live through our kids, right? Where, hey, I didn't go pro, but Heidi's definitely going to go pro, you know? <laughs> Heidi's going to be a pro athlete. And so what we can tend to do is we can tend to uh, try to vicariously start to live through them and force a calling on them that they might not even have ever meant to be live, lived out, Right? And so it's not that, listen, money's a good thing. Your marriage is a good thing. Your kids are a good thing. And you fill in the blank with anything, right? We know what we build on, what we tend to put before God. It's just that good things become bad things whenever we try to make them God things. Whenever we try to make them like things that are higher than God. Otherwise, everything else is out of order. And so anything built on something other than Jesus, it's not sustainable. So we, gotta, we can't waste our time. We gotta build on Jesus. Once you get that right, that right foundation, things start to fall in place. And so Peter's talking. He says, you're, you're stones. Um, I'm going to build you into my church, you know, talking, talking about from God. And then he says, Jesus is the cornerstone. He's your foundation. And then it starts to go back. And I want to go back to verse five one more time, because then it goes in a little bit of depth, verse by verse. And we're actually kind of working our way backwards through this. And then we're going to jump to the end. Um, and you'll see why at the end. But verse five, you also, like living stones, are being built, somebody say built, into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. And so it's talking about like, you are it. Like you are God's plan. There's no plan B. Jesus died to build the church. The church is in a building. It's people. And I'm trying to build you um, in order so that you understand this thing. By the way, we're doing this chair campaign. And um, that's a really practical way to just be a brick, you know? Because what you're doing is you're, 
you're sponsoring for someone else to have a seat. It's, a very, it's like the most selfless thing you can do. Um, or you, you would just say, you know what? Maybe someone doesn't even know they need to rely on me, but guess what? They can. I'm just gonna sponsor a seat that they can sit in one day. They don't even know me yet. They don't even know my name. They might not ever. Uh, but I'm just going to be a brick. So when we, when we serve, when we go to outreach weekend, right, when we pray on behalf of our friends, our family, our church, when we, there's different ways, there's so many different ways that we can just simply be a, a brick. And you would say, well, how do I know if I'm, I'm not being a brick? If you can go unnoticed, if your contribution isn't ever felt whenever it's not there. Like if you're gone one Sunday or, or one you know, whatever, in, wherever you are being built, like it should be, it should be felt, right? This is, this is what God's saying. Like people are relying on you. They're being built. So we have to be built into this thing. It should be noticeable whenever we're not there. And so I want to give you three things today, three benefits for having a heart for the house. What does it look like when I'm a living stone? Like what, how will that um, kind of reveal itself? And the first one, when you're a living stone, you will receive the revelation of the house. You'll receive the revelation of the house. Verse two, going back to verse two, it says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Man, we should come in craving to be fed by God. We should, we should crave for a word from him because whenever we do that, whenever we crave to be fed, it says that we grow. I wanna grow. Like in every area of my life, I wanna grow. I don't wanna be the same place next year that I am this year. I wanna be a better husband next year. I wanna be a better, a better father. I wanna be a better pastor. I wanna be a better leader. I wanna be a better friend. Everything that I hope in my life that just day by day, little by little, I just grow. And it says you do that by craving the things of God. If you just crave, if you just draw near to God, you will begin to grow. And some of us, you know, we've been burned by church, right? And, and it, it can kind of lead to a reluctancy to get built into the house. And uh, I'm no exception to that. I have been burned by church badly. I could tell you stories and it would just, it would probably melt your heart. Like it's terrible. Some things that happened, you know, a long time ago at the very beginning uh, of ministry that I almost decided just not even to do it. I was just like, I don't want to deal with that. Like, I don't, I've, I can do better things, you know. I don't, I don't want to, and, but God, see, here's the thing. Whenever you're a brick, I don't know if you've ever seen a, a structure, a brick structure, when it gets burned, the brick might get burned, but it's still a brick afterwards. And see, I, I love this imagery because it's like, yeah, you might get hurt. You pro listen, you'll probably get hurt. Why? Because we are a church of imperfect people, right? If, if you think you're perfect, Leave, just leave. Help us all out. Don't come to church here. Go to the other church down the street. I don't know. Like, like there should be no perfect people allowed here, right? Because if you think you are, you're just lying to yourself and you're gonna make everyone think that, you know. Anyway, it's, it's just a hassle, you know? So we are imperfect. And so because we're imperfect, we're gonna let each other down sometimes. We're gonna fall short on things. And sometimes you're gonna feel burned even. But here's the thing. First off, be the change that you need. Be who, who you didn't have that time when you grew up and you had that bad church experience. Be the change. Be the person that, that, that you needed, right? Because if you can just, listen, the revelation alone is worth the risk. 
There is something about when we come to God's house differently. Scripture talks about it all throughout Scripture. When we come to, house, when we come to, to worship together, when we all gather in a room, there's a different revelation we receive than when we're in our quiet time. There's a different revelation than you can receive by listening to a podcast. There's a different revelation you can receive by reading the Bible by yourself. We need all of those things. But I'm just saying God values the gathering of the saints is, what's he, is what he calls it. And so, uh, in fact, the Bible says where two or three are gathered, I am there in their midst. So there's something about whenever we get together as a corporate body, as a church, and we worship, God moves in a different way. He starts speaking things. He starts, he starts teaching. He starts working on your heart and convicting. He starts, you know, we, we, last week, uh, Brody, you know, he just traveled to Washington State, moved off to Washington State. But Brody received a revelation from God here. He gave his life to Jesus in a very dramatic fashion. He got baptized at one of the baptisms we had. Like Brody is an example of receiving a revelation from the house. Second thing is this. When you're a living stone, you will receive the community of the house. The community of the house. Hebrews 10.25 says, And let us consider one another. Somebody say one another. Oh, man. You guys are, you guys got to wake up. Okay. One another, in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Somebody say together. together. Much better. In some ways, to the degree that you're doing life in community within the house will actually determine the degree of revelation that you receive. Based on those passages that we just read, if you're not getting this community, if you're not getting, getting just being a brick in the house, there's, there's something different that Jesus talks about that we get that we cannot get anywhere else. And so we, we've got to get into this community. Um, Matthew 18, 20, once again, I read it. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. That means that Jesus is here in power. He's here in strength. He's here. He's going to heal people, man. He's going to restore broken people, people that came in with a past and baggage. He's going to rid them of it. There's just something that happens whenever we gather in his name. I remember last week we talked about, um, you know, we showed a video from our very first church service as a church in my living room. And um, it was just like 20 of us in there. And we were you know, talking about the scripture and stuff. And we watched this clip and someone came up to me after the service. And said, I remember that like it was yesterday. I remember, I remember seeing it in your eyes that you believed what you were talking about. I remember looking at so-and-so down the, the couch and how they were receiving that whenever you're talking about it. There was just some, I could, have, I could have put together a video and said, hey, we're gonna start a church. This is what it's gonna look like. There's something about actually getting together in the same room and allowing God to, to stir something in our community. And then the third thing is this. Whenever you learn to have a heart for the house, you'll get to join in with the mission of the house. Verse 12 says this, live honorable lives as you mix with unbelievers. Live honorable lives as you mix with unbelievers. Yeah, but I thought we weren't supposed to be unequally yoked. <laughs> We're not. <laughs> but it also doesn't mean separate yourselves from the world you're called to reach. We should, we should be there, man. We should be at the baseball game on mission. We should be at the t-ball game, you know, on mission. We should be at the workplace on mission. 
And something about the house, whenever we have a rally point to come together, every time we get together, because what happens is we go out in the world, right? And we get, we get seduced by things, you know, that, that the world makes it look like they're good and, and like it's gonna fulfill you, it's gonna make you happy, it's gonna be joy. And then we get sucked into these missions, you know, in, in our minds or things. But then every week we come back on Sunday, God realigns our heart with his mission. So you'll get the mission of the house. And the final thing for this morning is this. I just wanna finish with this. This is the whole, whole series wrapped up in one. If you didn't get anything else today, I want you to get this. It's just simply build your life on Jesus. Build your life on Jesus. It's the only sustainable foundation. Everything else fades away, it crumbles. But Jesus, man, when you build your life on Jesus, you just watch what he will do with you. Just watch. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, just in a moment of prayer. If you're here today and you say, I wanna follow Jesus. I wanna give him my life. I wanna build my life on him. I'm just gonna give you an opportunity to do that. Right now, you say, I wanna follow Jesus. I'm just gonna help you say the words just to pray this prayer to God, to accept that free gift of salvation he offers. Just say this silently in your heart. Just say, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for dying for me and that you're alive again. I give my life to you right now in this moment. Save me, change me, use me. Say, I make you my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that was you, you just made a decision to follow Jesus. I'm just gonna give you an opportunity. I'm gonna count to three. I'm just gonna ask you to lift your hand up. You're saying, today's my day. I'm following Jesus on the count of three. Lift your hand. One, two, three. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? You say, today is my day. I'm following Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed. It's awesome. Father, thank you for these decisions that were made. Thank you that in a moment you can change a life. Thank you that we have a good foundation to build our lives on in everything we do. Father, as we enter into worship, we are entering with a spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving for your son's death and resurrection. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Come on.